the immediate future is just the two of us right now, just with, with COVID and where our kids are at. And uh, Alicia had done that big project and it was like, you know what, we just really feel led to just stay kind of where we're at right now. And, uh, and, and yeah, I think we'll just continue that conversation. And, you know, I could see in the next two years where we do start to grow, but we've also talked about very focused growth and not focused. growth, not growth for growth's sake. Because we're not trying to impress anyone or build something that we don't need. We could totally hire one, maybe even two people right now. I just feel like it, what starts to happen is, and maybe you guys experience this, is that your your home life starts to go crazy and you start to get cuckoo and your kids start to get cuckoo and the everyday life things like dinner become stressful. And then you're cooking frozen stuff all the time. You have no time for anything else. And once that boat starts to get rocky, we understand that we are not balanced anymore and we need to come back to some balance and something needs to give. So it was a really hard decision, but we recognize with three children, they have real needs. We want to shepherd their little hearts and their little needs that they have. And so to actually do that, us just actually being realistic about what we desire for it to look like, then we, it's just not the right time right now, which is really hard. Join us in Mixing Business with Pleasure, a podcast about loving your work and working with your love. Your hosts, Mike and Gabby, are entrepreneurs who have found their passion in both their personal and professional relationship. The pair who swore never to work with each other are now working happily together side by side in love, life, and business. Tune in each week as we feature co-founders who are also lovers and are proving that business and pleasure really do mix well together. Welcome back and thanks for tuning in to another great episode of Mixing Business with Pleasure. If this is your first time listening, you may be wondering, why are these two people interviewing husband and wife entrepreneurs? Well, Gabby and I are husband and wife entrepreneurs and we've been running Proofpoint Marketing, a B2B digital marketing agency for over three years now. So for a quick shameless plug, let us tell you a little bit about what we do. We specialize in driving profitable revenue for technology and manufacturing companies by diving deep into customer insights. We really strive to understand the customer. We build out the ideal customer profile and personas. And using that, we create highly targeted demand generation and performance marketing campaigns. Here are a few of the main problems we help a client solve. If you're struggling to understand what content and messaging resonates with your prospects, If you have invested in content marketing and are struggling to bring in enough qualified pipeline. If you have been heavily dependent on paid media for lead generation and your customer acquisition costs keep going up and up and up. And if you've been investing in a variety of marketing channels and technologies, but are still struggling to understand which efforts are driving revenue. If any of those sound all too familiar, let's talk. We're offering a free consultation. This isn't just a sales call and it isn't us simply giving you a canned automated audit report. We are going to do our due diligence prior to the call. The plan is to talk about real marketing issues your organization is facing and discuss potential solutions. Head on over to proofpoint.marketing and get in touch. We look forward to hearing from you. Now let's get back to this amazing episode. We have Aaron and Alicia Soul with us today. We're very excited to have you guys. They are the principals and founders of Three Rivers Consulting here outside the Twin Cities. They service both for-profit and non-profit clients in finance, accounting, operations, and development and fundraising. Did I get that all right? Yeah, a few other small areas, but we'll talk about those. Okay, okay. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Erin and Alicia, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Yeah, we we started our business uh, a little over a year ago. 
I have been working full-time and I have been for quite some time. And the place I was working, it became evident that I needed a, a career change and I have always wanted to own my own business and had always thought, well, you need some great idea or product or something like that to start a business, right? Well, then I, we became, we had started this non or this, this business for Alicia to consult out of over the last few, last two years as she's been mostly at home. And so I thought of, well, why don't I take what I'm, I'm good at and offer that to other people? And so, yeah, we, I jumped off the treadmill of a full-time job benefits, et cetera, and zero client base and started from scratch. And we just hit the road running from there. And it's been uh, a huge challenge. It's been a huge blessing and, and kind of all in between there. So we've been married almost 10 years and all throughout that time, Aaron would always be looking at businesses to buy. And so I've got, you know, a good inclination from the beginning that this is something he is passionate about. I, <laughs> and then his family has a business as well. And we're not involved in that other than, you know, talking with them when we go home and visit with his parents and stuff, but it's just a kind of in his blood. And so it really became apparent to me what was happening is as he was kind of coming to this place that I want to start something and maybe I don't want to buy something and can I use my own skills and it seemed like the right time as he was jumping off from his other role. For me, it was, it was a huge leap of faith because I'm thinking, what are we, we're going from complete security as you guys are well aware of into walking into the no man's land and you have nothing. And so we did some obviously initial planning. We did some obviously financial talks about how long would we go forward with this plan before we kibosh it if it doesn't work, <laughs> right? How long can we make it? So on and so forth. We had all those discussions, but I was in complete support of him. Meanwhile, though, what was happening is that we have three children and I was backing off and backing off with each child that we had. And our last child had some medical issues and we couldn't really get our hands around what exactly was going on, which turned out to be asthma and allergies, but it was terrible. I mean, it was terrible walking through that. And everybody, anybody that's had a child that has medical needs knows how exhausting the caregiving is, knows how yes. difficult yes. it is to make it through one day. You can't see in front of you. You're just in survival mode. And so, like I said, I was backing off with each child, but I would always do a little bit of consulting on the side because in my area of working primarily with nonprofits and you do fundraising and program development and program modeling and evaluation, there's all, everybody is always like, oh, you can fundraise. Yay. <laughs> can you, can you get us some money? Right? <laughs> and so there's a very, there's a very high need for that. And so I always had a few things going on on the side. And so Aaron being the CPA and MBA that he is a few years ago said, we just need to turn this into an LLC so we can run that money through there. Mm -hmm. So when Everything was happening with our kids. Everything was happening with the job. And in all of those, in each of those positions, we were always scrambling to find time together. We were scrambling to find time for our marriage, time for our kids, time for each other. And it felt like you're kind of a slave to your job. And yes. as, as communication and technology has progressed, I mean, I've been working for 20 years and going from, you would answer your emails, you know, when you were in the office to everything is right there, right? I mean, that's what we've seen in the 20 year progression as being a professional, you were never done. You were never, you were, you never left. And it just thought we were kind of caught. And so 
it was all of those things combined that gave us to the decision of, could we run a business? Could we use our skills and our expertise and offer that to other people? Could we, could we have our own schedule that we were able to control and actually be with our kids more and be a family more and be together? So all those things played into us taking the leap last March, March of 2019. It, and it really is a leap. You know, you, you, you've described everything that I think, uh, well, maybe not every entrepreneur and every business couple goes to go through, but, but a lot of the things, you know, you, you were unhappy in your job. It just wasn't going the way you wanted it to go. Aaron, you had this entrepreneurial, you know, DNA part of you, which is so funny because Mike has always been the same way. Ever since I've known Mike, he's always wanted to do something on his own. And, you know, I always say that in our relationship, I'm sort of the accidental entrepreneur because I didn't know that I could do this. I didn't know that I wanted to do it. I didn't know that I that I had it in me, but I know for sure that Mike always had it in him. And one of the questions that we always start asking, and you kind of already answered it, is what came first, business or love? And so I think in your case, you guys have been married, your love came first, but it sounds like the idea of being an entrepreneur was always evident in your relationship. I. I mean, I think so. That's for me watching you. And I would just say for me, <laughs> I was, I guess maybe I'm, I'm tenacious and I'm assertive and I'm always, you know, I have kind of this zest for life. So I'm always looking what's the next thing and anything I'm going after, I'm kind of running after it. I'm not just walking and sauntering after it. And so I'm, I'm always up for a challenge and I'm always up for something that might seem terrible to other people, but I'm like, you know what, we can do this. We're going to try this and we're going to have a good attitude. And then, yeah, Aaron, just having that as part of you. Yeah. It was in his blood. It was in his blood. <laughs> but at the so, same point too, we had worked together oh, 10 yeah. years ago. So that's ah. where we met originally was yeah. we were both working for a private university in the twin cities. And I, I had started, Alicia had been working there already. We were in two different departments. So I was in the accounting department and she was in the development part, department, but that's how we initially met and started dating and got married and then. Uh, so you could argue that business came first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, we knew each other for like a year and a half before, before we started dating, which was good. We had to work together on a few things which is great too. Mm -hmm. So you already had an idea of what it might be like to work with each other. Is that accurate or not really? Not really. We, we worked indirectly with each other. It wasn't. We had to do projects together, but still it was such a large organization. But I will say this, you know when you can work well with someone and you know when you don't work well with someone. I mean, even in whether that's business or in relationships with other people. And one of the things that was evident for Aaron and I is that we worked well together. You know, we worked, we enjoyed one another. We talked through things. We didn't argue through things. We tried to be patient. We, we just had a personality that clicked to work together with each other. You know all the details when you both are not in your heads of things that you come across and the crazy things that you have to discuss. And Aaron and I just worked well on projects where again, I could say as dating other people prior to Aaron, the truth is I, we didn't work well together. <laughs> 
you're touching on something that's so huge. And one of the things that we always talk about is communication. You know, communication is so vital to any relationship, but no more so than I think when it's it's two people that are in a, in a loving relationship and also in a business relationship. And Alicia, you said that you guys work so well together. So tell us what what are some of those tools or, or, or tricks or things that you guys use with one another that allow you to work so well together? And what are some of those communication tactics that you, that you employ? Whether you realize it or not, there's always something there that just clicks, right? Well, there's a little bit of opposites attract. Erin, most people say, Erin, you're so laid back and you're so quiet. And, but Erin is like a type a personality and a type B body. So what is one of our tricks in terms of that is that I think nothing is off the table for discussion. I don't think Aaron, you can speak to this, but I, I mean, we've had these discussions too, but like, there's nothing we can't talk about. There's not, there, at no point would we ever say, we can't tell, I can't tell you, I'm, I don't like how you said this. I can't tell you that I'm afraid of, I don't want to talk with this because I'm afraid of it. It's like, being able to talk about every single thing from A to Z and nothing is off the table. I think that's probably one major communication uh, thing that we have, I guess, maybe tactic, would you say? Yeah. Um, and that's a key. And for us, just, I mean, this is just for us, but like the D word is not discussed for us in our marriage. I mean, we know, we, we know where we both stand and morally and the, where we just like, it's important for us that like we stay together and we stay united no matter what, no matter how frustrated we get with the other person that we know the, that one another's intent is not to hurt the other person. It might be, we might misunderstand each other, but we have to come back to it and stay united and stay united. We always say that like, we're not even, we're not even really fighting. We're kind of on the same page. We're just irritated or we're tired or we're, we're upset about something else or something else is causing us to fight with one another. That's not even a real reason. So we don't pull the D card, the divorce card, just because we're upset with each other. It's just not an option. That it's, makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. I think you, you've said a lot of really good nuggets in there in that, you know, especially like, you know, let's be real. We've been, we've been going through a pandemic, a quarantine, kids are at home, work is is volatile you know i know a lot of businesses are are struggling because uh, you know because people are pulling pulling resources pulling dollars money's not coming in it's 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 crazy and i think you you know you said something alicia that makes so much sense and is so beautiful and and it's that you guys are on the same team you know but but there are things there are times where you might feel like you're opposed opposed to one another or there are times where there's external factors that are preventing you from really seeing things clearly or speaking to one another in a manner that might be might be a little mean or or, or crabby or you know whatever but but at the same time it's so true and i think that communication really is the foundation of of any relationship and i think your strategy of putting all the cards on the table and nothing is off the table is so valuable and i think that's a really good lesson for for everyone to hear because if you can't be honest with with your partner in life how can you be honest about business how can you be honest with each other about what you're doing you know um, outside of your marriage 
So kudos to you guys. That's I have one other thought on that though, just being really willing to listen to the other person and understand because I don't always agree with why Aaron got frustrated, right? I don't know about you guys, but I don't always agree with that. But the point is, is that Aaron may have gotten frustrated or Aaron may have gotten hurt. And I need to accept that. And I need to understand that. And I need to say, I'm sorry, at least for, for the way I feel like is a considerate way to treat my husband. I'm sorry that you, you know, that you feel that way. And I'm sorry that I made you feel that way. So I think saying, I'm sorry. And then that coming back to, it's like unity, like just stay united just recognize that it's so important to stay united. You don't have to agree on everything, but stay united and tight. I know what you have to add to that about. Yeah, I think with communication, it's obviously being open and honest and with everything business-wise. I think, you know, we we enjoy talking to each other. We enjoy downloading every day. So Alicia can tell you what's going on with my clients. I can tell you what's going on with her clients. So we enjoy that piece. I think one of the challenges is where do you shut off the business communication and where do you start the personal and when you guys figure that out, you let us know. (laughs) And it's such a juggling point or just, you know, a a fence to walk on. And for me, you know, it's, I'm a, I love business. And so it's hard to, to shut that piece off. And it's like, no, how are you doing as a person and as a mom and I don't do the best job at that. And so it's always, it's a work in, in, in progress. Mm-hmm. Having grace with each other, recognizing that we're all a work in progress. <laughs> I mean, if we all have arrived, then there's no point in life. So I don't know. I feel like there's yeah purpose in just becoming better and better and better. And for him and for me, and better as a couple too, you know, better as parents, as individuals, as a duo partnership together. Yeah. You are our first couple on the podcast that have kids. So we want to talk about that because we have a daughter and our daughter also has medical needs. And and I think that for us, and I know it sounds like for you as well, starting the business was 100% driven by your needs as a family. Tell us a little bit about how you balance life with kids and life as, as business owners. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a loaded question. I know (laughs) there's a lot in there. We have three children. Our oldest daughter is going to be nine soon. Our second is a daughter. She'll be seven soon. And then our son will be four soon. So we're right on the birthday times here. But yeah, it's, you know, coming out of COVID has been such a surreal time. And, And we talk to a lot of people that either don't have kids or their kids are older, more self-sufficient or out of the house. And they were like, oh, this is such a relaxing time. (laughs) For us, it's like, whoa, put the brakes on. This has been just crazy and hectic, you know? And we we lost our childcare during that timeframe. We took on new work during that timeframe. Which is great. That's awesome. It is. good, yeah. Blessing to have, but Alicia was working on a huge project. And so it was just a crazy time. And so yeah, with, with our kids, we have always wanted to be with them more than we're away. And that's always been the case with Alicia. It hasn't always been the case with me. It's been quite the opposite. And so we live out in the country. And so I was always commuting to work. And so you take a nine hour day, a 10 hour day, add 
two hours of driving on that and that becomes a long time away from the family and that gets difficult. And so one of the, the factors that is huge in this is, yeah, the, the schedule and for me to be more present at home to allow Alicia then the flexibility to stay engaged and mentally with work and be able to stay with connections with work and be fulfilled in that arena. But then the majority of the time being at home and being a mom and raising our kids, both of us raising them together, those are a couple of the, the huge motivators that we have. Mm-hmm. And just from my perspective, one of the things that was hard having kids is that Aaron doesn't remember this totally because he was the person that was exiting the house. But when your significant other, your partner is gone for 12 or 14 hours a day, that is really difficult. And your kids are seeing them for a couple hours a day. It's just really difficult. It's okay. You can make that connection. Yes. And it happens and it's good. But I felt like I was single parenting Mm -hmm. and I know our kids wanted their dad around more. And so that was playing into why we did this, why we felt like, again, we were separated as a couple. I felt like a single parent most of the time. I had these three kids. We had these medical things going on. I never slept for eight years. I was so cranky, which is not my disposition. And (laughs) just really tough. And of course, he's just providing for our family. It's not like Aaron wants to be away. He loves what he does, but he didn't want to be away. So that that wasn't at all um, the issue. But it is really tough navigating three children and owning your own business. We have to get really, really tight in our communication and our schedule. And we have to discuss it often and we have to stay really close. So what we do is we take it week by week. We start at the beginning of every week and we say, what is going on this week? What does your schedule have? What does my schedule have in it? And well, and before that, you kind of set up like, okay, we have one to two days of childcare a week. Obviously, it wasn't there during COVID. So it was a little crazy because we had our existing clients and then we both had extra clients. And we would literally, both of us would be working in the evenings. We'd be working on the weekends. We'd be working on just every every nap, everything, everything was all work yep. just shift on and off, which everybody was doing. Everybody that was home with kids was doing. But what we do is we have childcare one to two days a week. And we decide what those days are right now. They're Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So on Tuesdays and Mondays, Aaron usually works and I work part-time. I say that with a total smile on my face. <laughs> <laughs> like, I work part-time. So you're working 45 hours. Is what you're it's a lot. It's a lot. And it's super hard. Try like 70, 80, Mike. Uh, Come no, on. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about just the business. I'm not talking about parenting. Okay. <laughs> So it's, so, so what we do in terms of schedules, Aaron, we have sort of designated days of who's working what days, but then we refine that at the beginning of each week. And we say, where do we need to sort of give and pull on those days and given our client scheduling and what projects are going on, we have retainer clients and we have some project clients that pop in and out of the picture. So Aaron usually has Mondays. I, we both have Tuesdays. We both have Wednesdays. Thursday and Friday are usually kind of grab days. Aaron will usually take Thursday and Friday. Like this week, we're switching it up. Aaron's taking Thursday and I'm taking Friday. And sometimes we even try to have Friday for sometimes for just us, one day for the whole family, if we can fit that in. And now mind you, that is like a, that's what it may look like. But then you also have, we're working at night. Sometimes we're working on weekends. We're working during naps. 
And those days that you have the kids, you're definitely sometimes on your email doing a clear or saying, I have to get back to this. Or, oh, my phone rang and it was a client or it was a customer and I have to attend to this. And you just have to be understanding of that. To have the flexibility that you have to make your own schedule, those things come with owning your business. And so things that may have bothered us before when we both work for organizations and you're taking your PTO and you don't want to answer the phone or you only want to do one clear every two days or you know when you have your PTO once a week or something like that. But it's not the case when you own your own business. You just, it's par for the course. So we try to be very, very careful about honoring that, I think, in each other. If you need to take that phone call, if you need to do this and you're on kid duty or we're trying to take off and we also, though, try to really protect our time. Like when we go through the week and we say, okay, this is the plan, try to honor that, make sure the other person has what they need for that week to get done what's on their plate and vice versa. And we try to really make sure that we are with, one of us is with our kids a lot. That is a huge part of this. But now, when you talk about communication, one of the hard parts of our communication that we did not talk she's nodding her head I think I know what you're going to say but go ahead really have a conversation we're trying our conversations take forever and then we things that might be simple for other people to talk about over dinner they take us three or four days to get through because we can talk about them because we literally were starting them we got interrupted with someone jumping on our head another person dumped the glue thing oh they got the glue (laughs) running outside now this one is crying because that one hit the other one what were we talking about an hour ago? Oh, now this one is crying again. Oh, this one is hungry. Oh, it's bedtime. Oh, we got to start bedtime. I mean, it literally. And then you can get to work. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then, no, exactly. And, you know, I, one of the things that we struggle with is that we talk about business all the time. You know, we talk about it, dinner, lunch, breakfast, weekends, evenings. We go before quarantine, you know, we would try to schedule a date night once a month. And we still talked about work, you know, we, st- we still talked about work. And the funny thing was for us is that our, our daughter was very, she was two years, just about two years old when we started the business and, you know, learning to walk, talk, all that stuff. And in her pretend play, she would take her dolls and say, I have to go to the meeting now. Oh yeah, I have to do my emails. I'll talk to you later. You know, she, she just absorbed all of the business talk that that we were having <laughs> and we worked from home and you know she was home with the nannies so she, she'd you know come up and say hi and talk to us and then we'd be talking about business at work so I, I think you know I think it's just like you said par for the course it's 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 hard and and you know now your children are, are especially your older two they're older how do they do they ever tell you guys hey I, I need you to stop working or can you guys stop talking about this like do they ever kind of get in there and tell you stop I need you right now like how do they how do they how do they feel about you guys working from home I'm sure there's there's both positives and negatives that they feel right yeah they want mom more than they want dad I don't know why but (laughs) that's the way it is but no at at lunch today you know I work we have our office down in our basement and so both of us are here we're in different places of the house but I went up for lunch and our daughter, middle daughter, Eliana said, are you done with emails? Are you done with work for the day? And I was like, no, I'm <laughs> grabbing something to eat. So, I mean, it's, it's nice to be home, to be able to give them a hug or kiss, to right. talk to them for a couple minutes and go back at it and, you know, clear things out and hopefully get done um, before dinner time. But right. it's also 
there's a challenge where they do, you know, if, especially if it is at night, if we're going to go on a little bike ride, family bike ride, why isn't mom coming? Well, she has to work or she has to do some emails or things like that. Those do get difficult for the kids. Yeah. And even Audrey today, our oldest and, you know, nine, seven and four, they just don't feel that to me. They feel like a second grader, a kindergartner and not even a preschool. It feels really young to me still, I guess, Mm -hmm. out of baby stage and toddler stage, but it still feels young to me. And so they do have Audrey, obviously the older two do have some understanding, but Audrey, you know, was like, mom, I don't, don't trust me today. She, Cause I was up in our room working and don't you get bored up here you <laughs> all day? Don't you get bored? And I was like, I don't get bored, but yeah, I get tired of sitting here, honey. And she's like, I said, do you not want mommy to be up here today? And she's like, no. And see what helps me is that we once again, work really hard on our schedule. So I know that I spend more time with them than I do away from them. Mm-hmm. And that was just, that's really just a sort of a principle we talked about when we had Audrey is that we would spend more time with our kids with them than we would away from them. And sleeping doesn't count. I don't know how, I know, I don't know how that works itself out. It gets stressful and hard, but what helps me then when she has those thoughts or has those conversations is I'll say, mommy, mommy's just at work for just a couple of days, or mommy just has to do like an hour right now, or I just have to do a half an hour and I'll be right back at you. And then I try to have my brain opened up and back with them Mm -hmm. and engaged and in a space where I can be with them mentally and intentionally, if that makes any sense. But yeah, I just guess for me, because I would have, I would have more than I already do mom guilt if I, <laughs> which I know you know what I'm talking about, don't you, Gabby? <laughs> I, I sure do. I think, I think, you know, that is the modern day conundrum of the modern day working woman is that, you know, the working mom is that, you know, there was a time where women couldn't work or didn't work or it wasn't socially acceptable mm-hmm. and they had to be with their children all the time or our house, you know, housewives and, and so on and so forth. And, and then now we're thankfully in, in a world where women do work and they own businesses and they run companies and they run countries and they're, you know, high, high positions in all air, in all industries and in all facets of, of public and private sector life. And, but you know, there, there's always, Inevitably, I think that there's always going to be this need for the mom at home with the kids. Not to say, and that isn't to say that dads are not important or that dads don't play a huge part in this. They they absolutely do. But absolutely, there is certainly mom guilt, and and there's probably even a, a lot of dad guilt as well. Which is which is why you guys decided to take this leap of faith and to start a business so that. Erin, you were not out of the house more than, you you know, we spend so much of our professional lives at work, so much of our business, so much of the, our waking hours during the day is at work. And, and that's also a big reason why we started our our business as well is so that we could have that balance that we wanted to try to achieve for our daughter and also extend that to our employees so that our employees that have kids, which all of them do, can can balance the needs that they have with their kids. And we, we all have kids in different age groups, mm-hmm. our team. So so some kid, you know, one one of our employees, her child is older, one of them is an infant, our daughter's somewhere in the middle. So we're all going through this 
these stages of parenthood differently with each of our kids. And you guys have kids that are that are all three in different ages and different needs. I'm curious about, you know, one of your kids, like you said, is nine. And they're getting to the point where they're probably starting to understand a little bit more about what you guys do, at least tangentially. Like what, what lessons are you, do you think that you guys owning a business, do you, impo- uh, how, what lessons are you imparting on your children based on, based on your business? That's a great one. That's a great one. That's, yeah, that's a difficult question. He, does, he doesn't say much, but when he does, he has a brilliant question. Yeah, <laughs> me and Aaron are alike. It's a, I, I mean, you, I have a couple, what do you, yeah, what do you think? I have a couple of things that jump on at me, but I'm curious. Oh boy, I think responsibility is a big one. And just that we one of the things, you know, every kid wants, wants toys or wants things. And so one of the reasons that we tell our kids why we were working as well, we are paying for our house, we're paying for our food, we're paying for the toys that you get, we're paying for these different things. So just imparting that responsibility and understanding of, you know, they don't get checkbooks or banks, you know, we, we try and talk a little bit about that, but just the importance of, no, we need to be able to work, to have money to live and to, to do the things that we wanna do and to give back to others. We, we talk a lot about that as well. So that's one thing. Another is that, you know, Alicia does a great job of talking about, I'm working today, but I have tomorrow where I will be with you the whole day. And so just the division of, you know, Today we're working, we have a job to do, we're meeting the needs of these clients, you know, we're helping these people, but then tomorrow I'm gonna be fully engaged or I'll be done in an hour or I'll be done at a certain point in time and I can then, you know, fully engage with you. No, I think that's right on. I would I would take it a step further in that you guys are well aware with children that you they want everything now. And they want it kind of right away. And patience can be hard. It can be hard in any kid, right? But especially, I think, in our culture. It's hard for adults. It's hard for adults. Absolutely, right? yeah. We're in the swipe culture. We're in the, you you get Amazon two clicks. Is it, I think it's two clicks. <laughs> I mean, we're in the click and the swipe and the kids are in that too. If you have a screen of any kind, they can click and they can swipe and all that. And they know Amazon, mom, just go to Amazon. It will be here in two days. Um, (laughs) They know this. And so one of the things I think is that there's a time and a place for everything, right? I mean, and in part of life, you have many pieces and you have to be, you have to live out those pieces and be responsible to those pieces. So we can say, you know, this isn't a time like our kids are really full of life. And so they always want to kind of be crazy. This isn't a time to be crazy. We just need to, we need to settle down a little bit or so I think there's a time and a place for everything. The other thing I think that in Aaron, you touched on this is just a heart of gratefulness. One of the things we try and talk to our kids about, and I don't think they'll fully understand this till we go till you physically see it. Cause because pictures are such a part of their world now as it, it wasn't, I think as much when I was growing up because we didn't have access like we do to the internet, but helping our children understand how incredibly, you can say two ways, lucky, how incredibly privileged, how incredibly blessed they are, or a couple of different ways, to have a roof over their head, to have a bed to sleep in, to have food on the tables, table, to have toys, and to be in a safe, loving home. Like those 
are basic things that I think we all need to take an inventory of every single day and recognize that we are in the top, what is it, one or 2% of the world if we have those things. And that that this is the, actually a minority, that most people have very different circumstances. So, and so that's one thing, like helping our kids understand. So we do try and show them pictures of what's happening around the world, other conditions that people live in, living in a one room hut, they all sleep in the same room, they have dirt floors. Some kids are living in a, in a garbage area, you know, I mean like a, what am I trying to say? Like I'm thinking of Cebu in the Philippines. Yes, in Islam, but they actually are living in the actual garbage area. That's where they live and that's where they go and they mill through each day for food. And so, Helping our children and talking about that regularly, which is something we do talk about regularly, and that we have this because, because we live in America, and because we're working, and because we're trying to work to provide for you. But then also a huge thing is giving. We are huge on, I'm just saying, giving in any way you can, giving in your resources, you have your time, you have your talents, and you have your treasures. And those are three ways that you can give back to other organizations. You know, always, people think equate it to money. That's one way. But we believe strongly in giving to other organizations, giving to other people, serving others, and teaching our children to serve others. And we work with nonprofits. That's a huge part of our market that we work with. And so that's kind of innate. And it's in our brains, and it comes out of our mouths. That's beautiful. And, so, and, I, I wanna, yeah. I'm curious if we can talk a little more about the that the giving back part of it, just, you know, because I mean, we're, it's, it's a big part of what we try to do as well, both just as people and as a business. I mean, we're, you know, really connected into the creamy community and the um, neonatal, yeah. neonatal, thank you, neonatal community. But like, what, what is it more specifically? What do, what do you guys do? Like, what types of organizations are you guys involved with? Um, and how do you, and how do you introduce your children to that? Yeah, so we, I've worked, 10 of my professional years have been in nonprofit, two, six and a half or so have been in a higher ed- education, private education, and then uh, two were at Twin Cities Habitat for Humanity. Alicia's worked her entire career in nonprofit, a lot of it in higher ed, but then other places mm-hmm. as well. So it's starting my side of the business, I didn't know if it was going to take off with small business or if it was going to go in that nonprofit. And it's been largely a nonprofit. And so I, I do accounting, outsource accounting, operation services for nonprofits. I have a, a small business here, here and there that I help out, but largely with nonprofits. And we don't specialize in any industry within nonprofit, but every nonprofit has a need for fundraising. (laughs) So that's a big piece there. But giving back, it's just part of our faith. It's part of our family as Alicia and I. And then we're passing that along to our kids too and and who we give back to. And coming out of the baby phase, I wanted to get involved into something else. And so I'm on the board of a nonprofit here. I won't say the name, but they do videos of children in Minnesota waiting for adoption to help get the message out about those kids and to tell the story a little bit differently than a sheet of paper can in a picture. And so, you know, we've watched a handful of those videos with our kids and just explained Mm -hmm. to them that these kids, although they might be in a loving foster care home, they don't have a mom and a dad 
to tuck them in at night or to get them up or to go on vacation with or something like that. And a lot of these kids in their videos will say, you know, I just want a, a family, you know, I, I want to go on a vacation or something like that. And so it's the giving back is just a, a huge part of, of our life. Yeah. And I think it happens in a multitude of ways. We, we, we work with so many different kinds of nonprofits. So, I mean, honestly, I just think it's in serving others. And I think mm -hmm. it comes in just so many different ways. As you guys well are aware of, there's so many wonderful missions out there of just helping people, whether it's providing resources where there were no resources, whether it's providing awareness, whether it's education, whether it's feeding. I mean, there's just so many mission-based, passion, passionate individuals that are just serving other people. And so we we are a part of many of them in many different ways. Yeah. That's wonderful. That's yeah. wonderful. It's really, really wonderful to introduce your kids to that from an early age. We've, our daughter is, is turning five and she's, you know, she's still, she's still young, but she's, she's smart and she knows things. And, you know, she understands her birth story. She understands that she was in the hospital and, and um, every year we try to, do something special on her birthday for the neonatal community for the premature prematurity community here in the twin cities and 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 as she's getting older and as she's understanding more and more we're trying to involve her in that and i think that's that's one of the beauties the beautiful things about owning our business is that we can make giving back a more sustained effort through our business not only as individuals, but also through our business. And then also, you know, teaching our daughter about why we're doing what we're doing and how that relates to the to our business. And, and also she's getting to the point now where she's recognizing that when we talk about our business, she's her, her name and, and her pictures are sometimes part of that, you know, on our website, we have her picture there, we have her story there because that really is very, close to how we started our business. And, and so she's learning that as well, which, which is very important. Let's talk a little bit about what you guys actually do. So let's talk about the work that you guys do. So, because, because each of you, while you're both co-owners, co-founders, co-founders, principals of the company, it sounds like you both have very distinct roles in your company and you also have very distinct accounts or clients that you each work on. So tell us a little bit more about what does Three Rivers Consulting actually do? And then how, how does, you know, how did the each, how do the two of you work together and or work separately within the business? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I'll start. So I think one of the things that is really clear about Aaron and I, and you guys probably learned this about each other is that you're different and each of you have a different skill set. And the more that you can appreciate that about each other and celebrate that about each other and yeah, I guess celebrate that about each other. I think that it, it's easier to work in your wheelhouse and not have ridiculous expectations for the other, for your partner. <laughs> and so Erin is incredible at administration and operations and handling like tech, legal, finance, systems, everything admin, everything operations, everything financial. And so it made sense when we started our business that Aaron obviously would set up the LLC. Aaron would handle everything with the bank. Aaron would handle everything, everything administratively. It just made sense. I'm good. I love administrative stuff, but if I, I get bogged down with that, my, my specialty would probably are people and relationships 
and programmatic, like how is this actually going to work? And how are we going to do this? Evaluation and communication. So like Aaron set up the website, I wrote the website. Aaron handled all the backend things with the person doing the website. I put it together and you have a great eye. You, you're a great writer too. So he will often look through what I'm doing. We'll bounce things off of each other often, but those are kind of our arenas, our separate arenas. And so when we build our business, whatever was in those camps, he would take the stuff in his camp. I would take the stuff in my camp. Aaron, as you guys are well aware of too, when you're doing consulting, it's a very different relationship than if you're in a company just working um, day to day. When you're meeting with a potential client, they a lot of times want a, a reaction of what do you think of this? And do you think this is okay? And do you think, uh, what do you think about this sort of process? Or do you think this is something we could do? And a lot of times they want an instant reaction. And it's okay to say, I'm not sure. I want some time to think about that and put those things together. And other times it's okay. Well, I, this is kind of what I see. I need a little more time to think about that and put my scope of work together for you. But they're looking to you as an expert. And so Aaron moving into that role, I had been doing that for a bit just because I was consulting when the kids were born, right? So my brain was thinking like that. Whereas Aaron moving into that role, that was kind of a cool thing for us to work on together is me learning a lot of things from him administratively. And then him kind of taking that for me of like, how do you work with clients and how do you set up I don't know. How do you even talk with clients? How do you set up a, pr a proposal? How do you set up a contract? You really did the back end of the contract, but how do you work with those? And then that's kind of how we work together. On, as far as what we what we do, again, I work primarily with nonprofits in the area of fundraising, fundraising development together, everything. Everything from grants to major donor work to events to putting an entire plan together, everything program modeling and program program logic, kind of like, oh, well, I'm a nonprofit and I really want to serve on the front lines and I want to start this. Let's just make this up. Food for people in Northeast Minneapolis. How do I do that? Well, how do you put your program together? And what's the program model around that and the program logic? And then how do you evaluate that program? So everything there. And then everything with like communications and like we were talking about a little bit with marketing, you just find yourself in that arena when you're in the communications area but I'm not an expert in marketing, but that's kind of my arena of stuff. What would you say yours is there? Yeah, so I, I've i spent five and a half years in CPA firms doing a little bit of tax, but then more audit work. I worked in the finance and accounting area as an assistant controller, then as a controller, then as a effectively a COO of a small business. So my background is heavy in the accounting realm. And so a lot of what I do is anywhere from bookkeeper all the way to CFO for nonprofits and kind of everywhere in between there. And so uh, a lot of the times I come in and I help clean up accounting and get processes in place, get things in order, get a month end in process, but then also just help review financial statements, present to finance committees, to boards, those types of things. But then I also love and am passionate about operations and, you know, evaluating, well, this system doesn't work. How can we do it more efficiently? And, and looking at those types of things. So those are kind of the arenas that I work in. And I have my clients, a list of clients that I work with. Alicia has her list of her clients. And then we have one that we both work on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What, what would you say with your, with your, the clients that you work with, Erin, 
when you get in there and you're doing and, and you know you're, you're kind of got your CFO hat on what is the what is the the biggest challenge that you see that your clients have that you're able to solve for them the the biggest thing is just a, a clean audit so every well a nonprofit over a certain threshold has an annual audit and that is what you're sharing with potential funders with potential donors. And so you want a clean audit. And so that's something that I do specialize in. I know what auditors look for. I know what processes need to be in place. And so that alone is something that I can offer to people. He cleans up a lot of messes. This is easier for me to answer, like, cause you're always in the thick of it. I feel like people come to you with a lot of financial mess, book mess, even like process mess of like, we're, we're doing it like this. We're doing our finances like this. And you always come in and you clean up everything. You get their systems and their processes in place. I mean, something as simple as let's go online with that. So we don't have to data entry it for smaller organizations. I feel like you bring insight into cleaning up and bringing modern <laughs> processes into organizations. So what's the, what's the biggest challenge for nonprofits? Or I mean, I know it's, it's virtually always funding and I'm asking because we have a few, a few friends that are either executive directors or CEOs of nonprofits locally. And both of them with, with COVID and everything going on, they've sort of, they said that they've lucked out because they've locked in a lot of grant funding. So they're not they're not having to worry about donors, both individual and corporate. Is that a pretty common issue right now? Nonprofits that maybe didn't lock in grant funding are they are they the ones kind of struggling right now? Yes, I think I think we're in a little bit of a a little of a facade because of the PPP. Because the PPP came out, people are just coming off of the PPP, and I think this is where the rubber is going to hit the road for a lot of nonprofits. Now we're we're past, we're not past COVID, we're still in COVID, but people are starting to, we're in a different place with COVID and we're in a different place with fundraising. So this is where I'm really interested to see what, what givers, supporters, donors, partners, whatever you want to call them, they're different names at different organizations, what their response will be. One of the, a couple of things that I'm hearing and seeing is that people are conservative they, in terms of what they want to give because they don't know what the economy is going to do, right? They don't know what's going to happen. And so people still feel passionately about giving, especially giving to what they're passionate about. Makes sense. But they're not necessarily giving what they possibly could. They're giving a smaller amount. Some people call it checkbook money. Like, okay, I can't give you this because my portfolio is down, but I can give you this, which is what is in my checkbook right now, which for some people is 200,000. Some people is 10,000. Some people is 1,000. Some people is 500. Some people is 100. It just, everybody's in different places because of obviously, I mean, obvious circumstances um, or obvious reasons. But uh, so I think everybody's kind of in that boat and everybody's being cautious, but I don't think people have stopped giving they haven't stopped giving I haven't seen the stopping giving I've seen the lessening of amounts in certain areas overall but what's really going to be interesting right now is now we're into COVID a little more we've had the civil unrest situations that are happening everything kind of seems really messy <laughs> and there's not a certain everybody likes to plan and there's not a plan totally moving forward we see that across the board it's it's right. now more, more than any other time i think as us as entrepreneurs and even as individuals 
I have no idea what I should be planning for because it seems like every month in 2020, something new comes out, something different. And, mm -hmm. and so we're just kind of taking it day by day, like you said, yeah. Well, they're but saying the Yellowstone is not going to be erupting anytime soon, so I think we're okay with that one. What is it going to be? I was I said I was making a joke. I said there's now they're saying that Yellowstone's not going to erupt anytime soon. So okay. they <laughs> that one. Yes. So just go back to the the, the nonprofit thing. What what's have you with all the civil unrest and, and whatnot? Have you since you guys work with so many nonprofits? Have you seen a shift in where donations are going? Like people getting. You know, people that were maybe whatever say passionate about the preemie community and all of a sudden going well you know what i'm not going to give to the march of dimes this year i'm going to give to whatever the, the one of the local organiz organizations or one of the larger national ones i definitely think priorities are shifting with covid i think one of the things that we saw and aaron pipe into this because you were involved into with a lot of places too, but you know, they're shifting their funding to emergency funding. So with COVID, what do you need? What is the emergency that you have as a nonprofit? I know your, a couple of your organizations received a couple of those emergency grants. And so, and even out to, if you have donors, you can, you can, for lack of a better way to say it, but you can make that need a very reality. Like this is a new emergency for us. This is how we've had to pivot giving COVID. And this is now how we're serving our, our base or how we're serving our clients. And we need you to help us with that. So you can even do that with major donors or donors or partners. And you can do that with corporations and organizations. I think most people get that that's what hap what's happening. And you've seen sh um, funding priorities shift that way. But the civil unrest, same thing. Same thing, a lot of money being directed to, to look at, obviously, minority communities, marginalized communities, how they're being served, how they're being, what's happening with them, what are the services, and what is the outcome of those services, evaluations, huge, right? Evaluation, evaluation. But so, so yeah, a lot of the money is being redirected. What do you? Uh, yeah, I would agree. I think even technology. So we've seen some technology grants with servicing students or or clients remotely and so emergency funding for that but yeah i i would agree yeah i mean just take so distance education and we don't know what's going to happen in the fall but obviously the, our education system's huge and we don't know what's going to happen in the fall but you know you have some people saying we will go back you have some people saying okay we're going to go back with a hybrid model well what are people's access to, to technology so you have a lot of foundations or organizations that are saying, okay, we'll provide the, the iPads, we'll provide the platform, the money for the platforms. You have Zoom making it free to educational systems now. And for certain, you know, you could call it frontline groups. So you have all of us kind of adjusting and figuring it out. But I still in that do not think that if you're a nonprofit that doesn't have one of those things that's serving COVID, or you don't have one of the things in civil unrest, do not lose hope people still feel passionate about what they feel passionate about. See, this is the beauty of how we are made. We all have something that gets at us because of whether it's an experience, whether it's innately in us that I know I feel passionate about this or I feel passionate about that. And everybody has a different one, just like every person is made differently to have different gifts and different talents and different skills. We all feel passionately about different things. And it's just finding those people if you're a nonprofit listening, it's finding those people that have the ability that feel that way about you and have the ability to support you in one of those time, treasure, talents areas. 
finding that can be difficult, no doubt about it. So you need digital marketers to help you do that. <laughs> right? Am I tracking with you guys though? What we are talking about are are two very two serious pandemics situations, whatever you want to call them, diseases that are that are affecting everyone, all humans, all life. And I think that nonprofits that that support depending on what their what their niche is, what they do, what they, you know, they can certainly pivot to be able to be a resource during this time. I think that there are probably a lot of nonprofits where it makes sense because we're really talking about the human condition. We're not just talking about something very specific. We're talking about something that in both cases, in both, you know, the coronavirus and the issues that we are experiencing now with with racism and and that being really at, at the apex of where it is in, in this country and, and reaching such a fever pitch. These are two, one is a disease of the body, one is a disease of the mind, but they affect they affect humanity in very profound ways. So I think that nonprofits that are maybe listening out there today can can change their marketing, change their messaging to not necessarily take advantage, but to be part of the solution, to be part to to have a, a part in what's going on and to to divert some of their energy to these two very important critical um, things that are happening. Because I think, you know, out there in the world today, it's not that matters of of the environment are not important it's not that matters of 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 you know faith-based faith-based organizations are not important it's just that these two issues right now that we're we're experiencing in the world health crisis and and discrimination and racism these two are taking center stage in our world and in in our life and in our culture and so i think a lot of organizations now can can if they're able to if their if their mission supports that if their resources support that this is an opportunity for them to make an impact in two areas where maybe it would have never crossed their mind to do so but now is an opportunity to do that for sure i think that brings up one other thought on that is so yes, everybody has different passion points that they love and that they want to support. Absolutely. But then my second thought on this would be, how has the pandemic, how has the civil unrest affected your clientele or affected your services? Mm-hmm. Because undoubtedly, because this is affecting everybody, there's things that are changing for you most likely. Most nonprofits, some things are changing. So whatever you're needing to do to adapt to that change or whatever your clientele, however that's changing or the needs that they're having that now you're having to shift to, 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 to respond to them, that becomes then what you're going to ask for. If you're talking from a development standpoint, if you don't have anything, that's the kind of the first question I would ask. If you don't have anything there, then my question becomes what resource or what what do you have to offer into, like you were talking about, Gabby, into what's happening? Mm-hmm. How can you support the betterment of what, what the issues are within the pandemic and within the civil unrest? So those are two things that that's why I'm saying, number one, you just can't erase passions. They just don't. And even though there's other things taking center stage, people still have passions. So those will play out however they will play out. But then those other questions is, how has your clientele or how has you serving a certain group had to change or how has it changed because of these two things? 
people can't get to you. Well, that's an issue now. Now we have to provide bus tokens and now we have to fundraise for bus tokens. I'm making this up right now, but you can see how that goes down the line. Or in the second thing, there's civil unrest. So now with our clientele, our particularly minority clientele, we can't do X, Y, and Z, or they're concerned about X, Y, and Z because they don't have these services. So now we have to look at this a little bit differently. And now that becomes a programmatic, a programmatic focal point for you. And if you can't do what, if you don't see either of those, then it's how can you serve and be a resource to the things, Gabby, I love how you said that, that are taking center stage right now. Mm-hmm. To put a pretty little bow around the, this whole, uh, this whole thing, like what if for each of you, what's one thing that let's say a struggling nonprofit should be doing right now? If they're only going to do one thing in the next month, what should it be? A great question. <sighs> I see a lot of kind of knee-jerk reactions um, from leaders and thinking that everything's on fire right now. And so I think that they need to take a step back and reevaluate where they're at this year. And for, for me, it's a lot of comparing to last year or what, what, it, what are some of the trends and how, how severe are those trends gonna change over the next c- couple of months? So that, that's just a really quick thing that I see. I think that's awesome. I agree with you. I mean, the reality is, is that you look at the data and although there was some giving that stopped, there wasn't the amount of giving that they thought was going to stop. It didn't stop. Now, coming out of the PPP, we're in a different stage now. Everything's changing. What will the next three months, two to three months hold? But we didn't see the decline. We're on this data and we didn't see the decline of giving that everyone was talking about at the beginning of when COVID hit. Like, oh, nonprofits are going to nosedive and churches are going to nosedive and everything that has that that is that operates off of giving is going to nosedive that isn't the case there are certain that time is going to tell but we're now in a different phase again with the ppp ending and i agree with Aaron. rather than taking knee-jerk reactions stepping back i think it depends looking at your donor base and looking how stable your donor base is is your donor base, the people that are supporting you as a nonprofit, are they consistent and true? Are they gonna, are they the people that you know well that are gonna keep giving? And to what level are they keep giving? You have to really take and you have to nitpick apart your donors right now. And you have to figure out where they each are landing. Cause if you know you're, if you're doing good development work you can do that with your top, your top tier and your second tier of donors of people that give to your organization because you know them or you should know them. So you're kind of knowing, you can't necessarily predict, obviously you don't have a glass ball and you can't predict what they're going to do, but you should know them well enough to say, okay, I'm, I think they they love us and they're probably going to keep giving. We can't say for a certainty, but they're probably going to keep giving. And this is probably maybe somewhere in the range. And you could start to do some some kind of planning from that really picking apart your your donor list and your donor that's probably what i would do right there along with what Aaron- <laughs> <laughs> all right awesome well i would like to talk a little bit about work life balance mike if you're okay with us pivoting the conversation yeah alicia and aaron you you spoke about kind of way early in in our conversation about not having enough time for one another especially when aaron was working full time out of the house so, and, and now I know that the current situation with COVID-19 and quarantine and kids at home and not having childcare, I know that that throws a wrench into everyone's uh, day and everyone's plan, but I want to talk a little bit more about your, your personal relationship. 
how do you how do, how do each of you show your commitment and your love both inside and outside of work that's a great question <laughs> how do we show our love inside and i i actually want aaron to start with this with sure. answering this question because we we haven't heard a lot from aaron so aaron she's putting you on the spot aaron i'm putting you on the spot boy i you know for me I, I like playing a support role a lot of the time. I don't like being front and center. And you obviously get that through this conversation. But but that rings true with, with our marriage too. You know, I, I try and support Alicia in every way that I can professionally and personally. And so if that's allowing her the flexibility and the time to get a project done for a client, that's then what I need to do is to help out a little bit more with the kids to take them do something different and not being upset or frustrated about having to kick in a little bit more or to do a little bit extra it becomes a challenge you know she took on a project that was a month-long project and it ended it ended up being a way more work than what she thought she was taking on and so it, it pushed our family it pushed our relationship pushed our business and clients but my role then was to not blame her for taking it, but to then help out as much as I could in, in that role. So, so that's, you know, on a professional and a personal level, I guess that's probably the biggest thing for me. That's wonderful. Alicia, what are the things that you do both as a wife and as a business partner to help Aaron and show him your commitment? both in and outside of work? Same question. So honestly, Aaron says supporting me, I feel like I need to support him and, and you know, and when you say serve, I don't mean that in that sense of that people take that as serve because I think we need to serve each other as humans to put other people above ourselves and our own desires and our own inconveniences that we think we have. And I feel like that's where I need to put Aaron as he does for me in life is that, okay, Aaron's got a really busy day. I need to keep the kids distracted because they'll love to run downstairs where our office is. And, you know, a lot of times they're here on a call and they're photobombing the <laughs> You know, I got to keep them distracted. It's happened a lot, quite a few times. Or, um, okay, he has to take this call or he has to finish up this and we had this family thing planned and I just need to be okay with that right now. Even though this was planned, it's only gonna take this amount of time and he needs to take that phone call and be supportive of Aaron in that, in that way professionally. And then two, we think very differently. And so I've, that's been probably the number one thing as we have partnered together is to recognize that we think differently, not on the big things, and when you work together, you figure that out to a greater degree, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the things that you wouldn't figure out if you were not working together, you're like, oh my goodness, he draws his lines like this. And that drives me <laughs> crazy. He thinks like this about a client. And I don't think we should do that first. I think we should do this first with the client. You know, I mean, small things that you wouldn't normally get to, you start getting to as you work together. But recognizing Aaron is different and I need to celebrate him and he needs, he and, and lift that up rather than tear that down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, so, uh, 
So, Alicia, you, you talked about, you know, when you were first starting out, you had a, you talked about what it can look like in three months and six months, 18 months, et cetera. What sort of, what does it look like and what's, what's the next step? Like where, where, where do you see this going in, I don't know, let's say. In 24 months. Sure. Let's say two or, years or, from now, because I think talking about next year is a little crazy with everything going on, but say two years from now. Yeah, well, we we are we are at capacity right now, which is a huge blessing right now, and it's 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 also poses a challenge because I just turned down um, a client the other day or a potential client the other day who reached out for some help, and it was a difficult decision for for both of us because it's it's income that we could have had or used, but it also then would have created the challenge of okay, I don't know. Usually it's more work than they say it is when I take a job on. And so how much is that gonna push our family and stress our family out? So we're at capacity. Alicia could be full-time if she wanted to, you know, full-time just because of how she does her work and who she works with and the need that's out there. And so I guess over the next two years, the biggest thing for us to talk about and look at is, okay, are we going to, focus on building a team from here because we could take on additional work. We could start to hire some employees, but then we have to backfill the work that we hand those employees. And so we could kind of grow that animal or do we want to stay with what we have and stay a little bit more flexible and lean in that it's just the two of us. So I guess that's a big challenge that, that we have been talking about and that we'll be talking about going forward. Yeah. What are you guys leaning towards? I'm going to put you on the spot. Are you leaning towards building a team or, or, or staying just the two of you? The immediate future is just the two of us right now, just with, with COVID and where our kids are at. And uh, Alicia had done that big project and it was like, you know what? We just really feel led to just stay kind of where we're at right now. And, uh, and, and yeah, I think we'll just continue that conversation. And, you know, I could see in the next two years where we do start to grow, but we've also talked about very focused growth and not okay. growth, not growth for growth's sake, because uh, we're not trying to impress anyone or build something that we don't need. So yeah, just the focus of the growth. Yeah, that has, we could totally hire one, maybe even two people right now. I just feel like it, that's with doing no marketing whatsoever. Just like if we even announce like, oh, we have another person that can take on, I just, it's just crazy. And so what we made our decision based on, and this was just actually in the last couple, like two weeks, we, this is fresh off the press. No, I'm just kidding. But not that anybody wants to know, but as for just a little consulting firm, <laughs> but we just, what starts to happen is, and maybe you guys experience this, is that your, your home life starts to go crazy and you start to get cuckoo and your kids start to get cuckoo and the everyday life things like dinner become stressful and then you're cooking frozen stuff all the time. And then you're, I mean, I'm just saying we have frozen stuff too, but I'm saying it becomes a lifestyle that is actually, you have no time for anything else. And once that boat starts to get rocky, we understand that we are not balanced anymore and we need to come back to some balance and something needs to give. And we need to let go of what we are probably holding onto really tightly and recognize. So it was a really hard decision, but we recognize with three children, they have real needs. We want to shepherd their little hearts and their little needs that they have. 
And to be able to do that, to be able to actually have a marriage, to be able to actually run a household because everybody does wear clothes yeah. and we <laughs> have to eat and we right. do the laundry. And, and we sometimes do, you take showers. Sometimes <laughs> you take showers and their little toes need to be clipped and then they cry and they break down and you have to be oh, there. too. <laughs> and you need to read books and you need to love on them. And so to actually do that, us just actually being realistic about what we desire for it to look like, then we it's just not the right time right now, yeah. which is really hard. It it is you have just shared a very, very valuable lesson in in that trusting your gut, knowing what's best for you as a couple, but also as a family and knowing when it's time to, to either you know, expand the business or contract or keep it the way it is. Those are such valuable business lessons and life lessons. And Mike and I had a couple of those moments early, early in our business too, where, where we were saying, well, do we take this big one? Do we do, we do it? Do we not do it? Do we, you know, and, and, then, and then we had one client where it was, it, was, it was a horrible fit and we needed to let them go. And that was also a tough decision because they were our largest client at the time. But I think the lesson that you've just imparted with us and with our listeners is so valuable. And I think it's one that as couples, as, as, as husband and wife, spouse, business owners, you can, you can very clearly look at, at the big picture and look at the family life, the marriage life, the house life, the work life, and, and be able to make uh, an intelligent, informed, and, and emotional decision. Sometimes when you're working, when you have a business partner that's not family or that's not your spouse, it's a lot harder to make those decisions. It's, you feel a lot more pressure to make a decision that may not be right for you, for you as a person or, you, or your family, but you feel that pressure to make it because you have, you have an outside business partner. You might, ha you might have investors. You might have sta other stakeholders that you need to account for. But right now, the stakeholders that are most valuable and most important to you are each other and your children and balancing the work that you have with your clients. So I think you've made um, a beautiful and wonderful decision. And, and the beautiful thing about, about being together as a couple and as, as business owners is that your decisions can evolve. And, and the decision that you make today might change two years from now, might change five years from now as your kids get older, as they become, <laughs> right? As they become less dependent. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think that this is such a beautiful conclusion to our to our uh, discussion today. We normally have a couple of wrap up questions that we would ask, but but I love the advice that you gave. I love how we ended the the conversations. I want to keep it at that, and I want to also thank you guys both very much for joining us today on the call, sharing with us your wisdom both as a couple and as business owners sharing with us and our listeners about your children and the decisions that you've made as individuals and as and as parents and as business owners um, to have the kind of life that you want for each other and for your family. If, our, if there are listeners out there that want to get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to get a hold of you? You can just go under our website. Yeah, go to our website. Okay. Um, three, three rivers consulting.net. Okay or email myself, Aaron, so A-A-R-O-N at threeriversconsulting.net. And Alicia, it's A-L-I-S-H-A at 
threeriversconsulting.net. And you can also get to us. We get the direct messages off of the website. So threeriversconsulting.net. There's a contact button. So Excellent. Excellent. Thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful rest of the day and rest of the week. And thanks for joining us on Mixing Business with Pleasure. Well, that was a fascinating conversation. We love talking to couplepreneurs who have built successful businesses. And one of the keys to a successful business is effective marketing. Luckily, Gabby and I run a B2B digital marketing agency called Proofpoint Marketing. Our team specializes in driving profitable revenue for technology and manufacturing companies by diving deep into customer insights. We really strive to understand the customer. We build out the ideal customer profile and personas. And using that, we create highly targeted demand generation and performance marketing campaigns. We are offering a free consultation for our listeners. This isn't just a sales call, and it isn't us simply giving you a canned automated audit report. We are going to do our due diligence prior to the call. The plan is to talk about real marketing issues your organization is facing and discuss potential solutions. Head on over to proofpoint.marketing and get in touch. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Mixing Business with Pleasure. We hope you'll join us next week as we feature another pair of co-founders who are also lovers and are proving that business and pleasure really do mix well together. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.